Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket Pharma podcast. I'm your host, Kyle, and today I'm excited to introduce Chris Ford. Chris is the Assistant Vice President of Strategy and Innovation at Prime Therapeutics. He has spent over a decade within the PBM and specialty pharmacy space, focused on strategy, product innovation, strategic partnerships, and health economics, with the goal to make pharmaceuticals more affordable for patients and plan sponsors. He received his undergraduate degree and master's of business administration from the University of Minnesota. And Chris, thank you so much for joining the, the show today. Yeah, glad to be with you, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Well, maybe to kick it off, I'd love it to hear just you know what inspires you to work in healthcare and, and really your story of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the drug management industry for about 15 years now. Uh, I'm with a company called Prime Therapeutics. Uh, it's been here for the last seven years. We're owned by 19 Blue Cross Blue Shield health plans across the U.S. and have been very interested over my my healthcare career in ways to ultimately lower the the healthcare cost, drug spend for our our plans and plan sponsors, and find unique solutions that can deliver really on the quadruple aim, um, right? So controlling the the spend but managing that with with optimizing outcomes and and positive overall patient experience. So uh, have have been in a bunch of different areas within kind of the drug management space, um, primarily on the the payer PBM and and specialty pharmacy side, um, but uh, have have been able to parlay that now into um, you know a, a capacity or a role with our our Blue Cross Health plans um, that really looks across all of the different areas. In terms of of drug drug spend management, as well as as optimizing patient outcomes, that's awesome. And you know, so excited to have you on because I think the you know the PBM space is incredibly opaque, complex. There's a lot of movement going on uh, in that space today with vertical integration, uh, number of acquisitions happening, and I think you know Prime just announced one in the last couple of months. But I'd love it if maybe you could highlight some of the you know, key trends that you're seeing uh, play out in the market today? Yeah, I think you're spot on, Kyle, in terms of the the consolidation that we're seeing. And it's really across the big three PBMs right now. All the big three PBMs are consolidated with the National Health Plan. They all own the pharmacy benefit um, management uh, channel. They all own their own GPO, um, which has been new over the past few years. They all own their own specialty pharmacy. And they're even getting into other areas in terms of medical specialty management, in terms of provider services, and some of them are even getting into owning um, some of the provider space and, you know, most specifically on the primary care side. But so we're seeing that consolidation and really the growth in, in influence and control and how they're leveraging that across this broader healthcare ecosystem and ultimately um, doing what they feel is best to provide really value for their for their shareholders um, and just how to have more control and influ- influence across that that broader um, you know drug distribution ecosystem and so when you kind of see what's happening today and play it out maybe three to five years whatever time period is most appropriate in your mind you know what do you think was going to be the implications of that yeah and so I think we're actually seeing it play out right now and so I think you know, traditionally, as you look at the the breakout or for the information that's publicly available in terms of the big three PBMs and what are the sources of profit for them overall, everybody thinks about rebates. 
it's you know rebates and and spread mm-hmm. um, from their their overall network construction. And while that still is a is a large vector in terms of of profitability for them right now, we're starting to this, we're we're starting to see that shift a little bit more into the the specialty dispensing, right? And so as as specialty overall specialty drugs continue to increase in terms of you know the pipeline and the overall spend and yeah. you know specialty represents more than half of of drugs a drug expense overall. As we're seeing that play out, um, we're seeing more strategies that are pretty aggressive at how to control the channel, how to move that specialty utilization into an own asset of the big three um, to control that dispense. And, and overall, kind of how we're seeing that play out is that specialty dispense makes up over a third of the of the big three uh, gross profit, right? Wow. And so as as that's playing out, and there's other dynamics around, you know, things like 340B. Yeah. being able to capture some of that value, um, you know, other, you know, programs that we're seeing playing out or different sources of, of funding, um, such as, you know, copay maximizer programs and cards. Um, we're, we're just seeing more and more of the big three trying to control and move as much of the utilization into their own assets, um, really for purpose of, of overall profit. Yeah, fascinating. And so tell me about Prime Therapeutics and really how you guys are positioned uh, in the marketplace and, and how you see your kind of differentiate from those big three. Yeah, so we, we've been around for a little over 20 years. We're, we're a PBM that, that is owned by 19 Blue Cross Blue Shield health plans across the United States. Um, we manage pharmacy benefits for over 30 million members. So we, we have a, you know, a decent size and scale. Um, and overall, though, where, where I think we're differentiated from really from the big three and other competitors that are out there is the whole notion of, of channel independence. And so going back to the big three kind of growing their vertical stacks and doing everything they can to move uh, utilization into their own assets, into their own channel, we don't have that same conflict. Right, so we're looking across all of the innovation that's happening within the market. Um, you know, you're seeing the role of of health systems and hospitals getting into the specialty pharmacy space. They're opening up their own specialty pharmacies, and it makes sense. If you've got a neurology clinic or a rheumatology mm-hmm. clinic, um, having that integration and owning a specialty pharmacy, being able to send that script uh, from the doctor within the you know purview of that health system into the own specialty pharmacy. There's a lot of benefits there in terms of the the coordination, the patient care and management, integration in terms of all the data and being yeah. ha- having visibility in terms of all the the lab notes um, and other patient data. There's also value from 340B and how uh, you know health systems that are are 340B covered entities can procure drugs at a at a cheaper price than those that are not 340B covered entities. So we think there's a lot of value in looking across all the different innovators and, and specialty pharmacies and really finding that right value for plant sponsors and patients specifically around how do you control the, the, you know, the, the financial side of the equation and get the best financial value, but also balancing that again with the clinical outcomes and the overall patient experience and quality. Sure. It's really, you know, kind of, Letting being agnostic to any one channel or a way to uh, structure a contract to give a, your clients the ability to decide and ultimately the patient 
uh, more flexibility. Is that right? Yep. I think that's spot on. That's awesome. And you know, I'd love to hear, uh, you know, if you have any examples of really how this has impacted outcomes um, or the patients have noticed uh, kind of a difference in, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a service that's delivered by Prime or supported by Prime versus one of the other PBMs. Yeah, so we have a, a program now. It's called Integrated RX, and the you know the the value thesis behind it is ultimately that if you can have a, a broader network, and if you can allow some of these different hospitals and health systems that own their own specialty pharmacies, and you can get them to um, contract with you at at very reasonable reimbursement rates, while also having other requirements around things that have a positive influence on the, the clinical outcome as well as the patient satisfaction, that that ultimately is going to create a model that provides the best value for plan sponsors and their patients. So we've had this model in place for, for almost a year now. We're starting to see some really great results just in terms of the, the financial value as well as the clinical value. But then there are some broader um, considerations as well that we're starting to tap into. And so I think, you know, if you look at where, where healthcare is today and some of the abrasion that exists between the, the payer arm and the provider arm, we need better overall collaboration between the, the provider and the payer if we're going to have a long-term sustainable um, drug delivery system that provides good financial value as well as clinical outcomes and experience. And I don't think that exists to the point that it needs to today. So we're ultimately looking at this more collaborative model that um, that doesn't block out health system or, or hospital specialty pharmacies from networks is what we're seeing really across what the, the big three are doing. But rather having this, this collaborative partnership um, is, is really essential as we think about um, kind of where the puck is going and needing to have data sharing across entities, needing to go from the traditional fee-for-service type of a setup into more of a value-based arrangement. But you need to have a strong foundation and, and collaborative nature between your, your provider and payer arm, which I don't think exists today. So that ultimately is, is where we're trying to go um, in the future. Absolutely. Maybe you can uh, give the audience a prediction or a bet how long until you start to see majority of uh, drugs be contracted through value-based uh, contracts. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, and, and so that's <laughs> one of the key things that that our clients are are talking about, and that yeah. um, ultimately down to our all the plan sponsors that everybody wants to go from fee for service into value. What I will say is that it is incredibly complex, and nothing massive is going to happen overnight. So this is going to be you know a, a multi year type of a strategy. Um, and I don't have any great prediction in terms of, you know, the, the set number or percentage of, of contracts that are going to shift into VBC arrangements. But ultimately, you have to start with a strong infrastructure um, and platform to build off of. And right now, again, with the big three PBMs, they control 80% of the PBM market share. And they're able to drive wow. roughly 80% yeah. of, of that market share into their own specialty pharmacies. And so they're doing that through restrictions around around their network structure and benefit design and other other mechanisms to ultimately steer that volume into their own asset. Yeah. That is not creating a collaborative environment that's needed for 
um, value-based contracting initiatives to ensue. Um, so we're really looking at it in terms of build the right infrastructure, build collaboration across provider and payer, and then ultimately have that lead into, um, you know, broader VBC arrangements um, between all the, the necessary parties. I love it. Focus on the foundational pieces first before we get into uh, some of the more complex contracts with all the stakeholders. Um, I'd love to, you know, just hear an example or you know, maybe one of your experiences of the biggest setback that you have personally uh, experienced or kind of within uh, Prime Therapeutics uh, over the course of, the, of your time there? Yeah, so I think just in, in general, um, again, this is in, in healthcare, this is about the long game. Um, we're, we're with the, the number of large stakeholders that exist across the, the broader ecosystem, right? As you think about on the payer side and PBM and across distribution and the, the wholesale distributors and the pharmaceutical manufacturers um, and the, the specialty pharmacies themselves. There's a lot of, of very large entities that exist um, that are all going after what's in their best interest. And I think the challenge that we're seeing is that when, when you have entities that are solely looking at what's in their best interest, but they're not looking across that broader ecosystem, mm-hmm. you get into a scenario where everybody just is going after their own you know, self-interest and they're not looking to collaborate. And they're doing things that you know, doesn't necessarily create value across that, that broader ecosystem. Um, and that's where, that's where we need to go in terms of seeing these longer-term sustainable solutions. Um, so, you know, to answer the question specifically in terms of the, the challenges that, that we deal with, um, it would be around uh, different entities that we support, really looking at the, the here and now and doing everything possible to, to control spend. Just given the, the yeah. rise of, of specialty pharmacy spend, that's become a major challenge. So we certainly, you know, have that as one of our foundational goals of providing the best overall financial value. But we want to want to hedge on that and do it in collaboration with the other stakeholders. Sure. So there's value for for everyone across that broader supply chain, um, and that's I think the only way that we're going to get into some type of a long-term sustainable type of a setup and a model. So it really is don't chase the the financial value as kind of mm-hmm. your your sole driver today, but do that in balance of of initiatives that that can provide value um, for all entities and that ultimately are are looking at all quadrants of the quadruple aim, um, which, you know, financial value is one of them, but it's not the only one. Yeah, I think the quadruple aim is such an important framework to assess, you know, how should we work together uh, to drive value for healthcare? So, Chris, one one question for you, you know, there's a lot of um, discussion around the expense of these specialty drugs. Uh, you can see some medications costing $80,000. I think one recently was priced at $2 million, which is just astronomical. I would love your thoughts on really where is this trend going? Where are, are drugs just going to continue to increase into the future without uh, kind of any consolidation or any discounting? What, what do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Kyle. So ultimately, as we look at the composition of drug spend today, you've got specialty that represents about half of overall drug spend, a little bit more. Um, And of that, it's split pretty evenly between drugs that are administered on the pharmacy and the medical benefit. 
But where the where the puck is going in terms of the pipeline, it's all around specialty. Over two thirds of drugs in phase three trials today are are specialty drugs, and the majority of those are going to be administered under the medical benefit. Um, to your point, we're seeing the rise of of cell and gene therapies, right? So the the science is is absolutely um, crazy in terms of the progressiveness and these curative therapies that are treating these very small uh, orphan conditions and, you know, really small patient populations overall. So they do come with uh, a very large cost on a, on a per patient basis. And we are seeing drugs that are, that are north of a million dollars um, on a per patient basis. But you really need to think about it in terms of the value. Um, in terms of the big cell and gene, you know, therapy drugs that are in the pipeline, the biggest ones right now that everybody's looking at are around hemophilia. And your average hemophiliac today is spending over half a million dollars annually. Um, if you can have a, a gene therapy that's actually curative, that's treating their current condition, that doesn't require the, you know, the ongoing factor use that they have today, um, even if a drug comes out with a two to $3 million price tag, you only need a few years, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, four, six years uh, to ultimately be at parity with the, with the financial picture today. And so that's where it all ties back into the need for collaboration and the need for value. And we're only going to get to that place if you have aligned interests across all the core stakeholders within the, within the pharmaceutical supply chain. So, again, our value prop at Prime is not to push volume into our owned assets or to do things with the, with the motive of profit, but rather to provide the best overall value for our plan sponsors and for our members. Um, and to do it in a collaborative fashion with all the different stakeholders that are needed to get into this more um, value-based type of a framework. And, it, and it's just in time, it sounds like. I mean, with majority of the, the pipeline of drug spend uh, being these large uh, molecule expensive therapies, um, you know, investing in the infrastructure to handle that uh, across many stakeholders is uh, I imagine wildly important and differentiates you among uh, other competitors. Yeah, I think that's right. Because um, you know, to your point, the the current market is is still evolving in terms of these really complex cell and gene therapies and other non cell and gene therapies that are treating again these ultra orphan and, and rare mm -hmm. conditions. Um, but again, the where the pipeline is, where where the pharmaceutical manufacturers are investing in terms of their R and D dollars. It's all around these complex conditions, these very high cost conditions with smaller patient populations. So this is where the market's going. Um, and ultimately, if if uh, all the different entities are not ready for that, um, they're they're going to get hit with some very expensive bills that they might not be in a position to pay for. So it's absolutely imperative to start building that foundation and that framework right now, so that when we get into this future state that will have a good number of these very, very expensive, um, you know, one-time curative therapies uh, that, that everybody is, is able to pay for them and to ultimately get the right value, um, you know, clinical value outcomes, experience, et cetera, for, for the members that we all serve. Well, that's fantastic, Chris. So, you know, maybe before we conclude, please share just like a, a closing thought and where the listeners can get in touch with you. Yeah, thank you very much, Kyle, for having me on. It's been great talking with you today. Um, closing thought would really be that 
ultimately, we need to, as a as a society in the U.S., look at this whole picture of the quadruple aim. We need to balance the need for driving financial value and controlling spend with also um, having solutions that provide the best overall clinical value, patient experience, and and quality. Um, so for for any entity uh, that that sees the need for that balance um, and and not solely going after financial value and and overall company profitability, um, I think Prime Therapeutics is a great organization to collaborate with. Ultimately, any listener can go to our website primetherapeutics.com. Uh, or connect with me directly on on LinkedIn. Happy to to speak with anyone. Well, Chris, thank you again for coming.